Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. The, uh, the purpose of my talk today is to talk a little bit about faith and money in preparation in part for next week. Um, so let's get stuck into our message for today. Um, we're talking about money um, and you might think, oh, money, the money talk again. But it's really interesting to me as I did a little bit of research that Jesus actually talks a lot about money. It says one in ten verses of the Gospels are actually about money. He spoke, he spoke more about money than he talked about hell. And the whole Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, which is quite a lot, less than 500 on faith, but over 2,500 verses on money. So it would be a good thing for us as pastors to communicate the truth about money to you as a church. It's really important. It's integral. And as Aussies, we don't necessarily like talking a lot about money. We don't necessarily talk about it that much, especially being Aussies, uh, it's, it's kind of bad manners to talk too much about it. But I know that we think about it. I know that we think about it a lot. We're thinking about it all the time. Why is that? Because... We are human beings. It doesn't matter what culture you come from, money's on your mind. You're thinking about it. Because you can't separate the, the realities of life for any human that walks upon this earth. And there are two strong forces that, dominate, um, that can dominate us when we're talking about money. And those two forces are fear and greed. Fear and greed. They're the, they're the drivers for money. And just because you're a Christian, unfortunately, it doesn't remove those, extract those forces from your life when you get saved. You still have to go on a journey, like all of us, about working through these things of fear and greed. We know these two opposing forces, they work to drive the stock market up and down. Markets all over the world are driven by fear and greed. Greed drives a bull market up, up, up because people want more, more, more. And fear drives the market down. They say that the bull goes up the stairs and the bear goes out the window. Like the bear market of fear that dominates the environment, like when there's a run on the market, all of a sudden people want to grab their money and hide it under a mattress and run for the hills and preserve and keep, you know, in... in um, uh, bear markets, people go to gold, they go, oh, let's invest our, our money in gold, or let's our invest our money in cash, let's invest our money in something tangible, we can keep it so we don't lose it. And it's so easy to be dominated by that, that force of fear in your life. And it's not just the stock market that is driven by fear and greed, it's just our everyday lives. Fear makes us withhold our money because we're afraid that we're going to lose it all. We won't have enough for tomorrow. We, we have these thoughts like, what if I lose my job? What if my business dries up? What if interest rates go up even more? What if the Chinese economy goes south? What if inflation takes off and I'm not going to be able to buy M&Ms anymore? Fear stops us from being generous because it's like holding on. I've got to look after it. I've got to keep it. I can't give it away because what if I lose more? 
And it's interesting to me when you look at fear and greed, even though they're sort of opposites, it's still the same thing. It's more for me. It's this inward-looking focus of having it for me, looking after me, looking after number one. So these, these two forces, they're sort of like animal forces that work on the inside of us. But I want to introduce another force that can be at play for us, especially if you're a believer, and that's the force of faith. Faith is another gear that we can find that can elevate us out of this sort of com- competition between fear and greed. Faith changes the focus from the natural to the supernatural. We stop looking at our own abilities to generate wealth and our own abilities and our own tendencies to look inwards. And it begins to lift our eyes heavenwards to the source of all life. We lift our eyes to Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we can make a mistake of thinking that faith, that when we talk about faith, it's purely a supernatural thing. We understand faith like I have faith in Jesus Christ that is going to give me eternal life. Or I have faith in Jesus that, um, that my sins are forgiven, that I'm walking in newness of life. We can, we can understand or we can apply faith to those abstract thoughts that are not tangible. But I want to tell you today, church, it's so important that faith is not just the supernatural realm. Faith is for the natural realm as well. Our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus walked upon this earth. He got his feet dirty. He wanted to demonstrate to us that faith can be applied to the here and the now. Faith is substance, people. It's a substance. It's a thing. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's it's drawing from the supernatural and I'm bringing it down into the natural. Can you see that? My faith, it's not just an abstract thought, it's, it's an application so that I can draw something that's invisible into the, into the natural realm and it can apply to my daily life here and now. It's so important that we use faith in this way. I'm drawing from a, a supernatural God. I'm drawing from a God who has no lack. Can we understand the fact that God is rich? He's not poor. He doesn't go without. Says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's not one day that God goes, oh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't spend too big today. There's, there's, or we've got to save it for the orphans and the widows. He doesn't think like that because he's rich. There is no limit to his wealth. There is no limit. They say that heaven, the streets are lined with gold. Does that sound like someone who scrimps and saves to you? I don't think so. He's rich and he enjoys being rich. They say all the foundations of the, the walls to the city are, are jewels, are precious jewels. The gates that open to let people in are made out of pearls. God is splashy. He's a splashy God. He's a generous God. He has no lack. You know, we look at those rappers with their giant big gold chain rings and we think they're splashy. They've got nothing on God. I tell you, he's a generous God and he's got so much to give. He's got so much to give. It's not just a supernatural thought. It's not just for the hereafter. When I die and I'm going to walk in paradise. It's not just about that church. We need to understand 
that faith is something that we're going to draw down from the God who has the cattle on a thousand hills and we're going to apply that to our daily lives today, here and now. We're going to walk in it. So what sort of Christians are we going to be? Are we going to be the ones that allow our circumstances to dictate to us how we're going to apply our finances, how we're going to live our lives? Or are we going to be those who reach into heaven, draw down by faith everything that we need to do the good things that God has for us? Paul said we can do, our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that saves your life. Yes, I believe that he's, he's lifted me out of the, the miry clay. Yes, I believe that I'm no longer a slave to sin. But yes, I also believe that God can supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, for us to use this kind of faith, we can't take our current circumstances as a guide for future results. You know, like those superannuation ads that say, past performance is not a future indication of future results, or something like that. They say it really quickly. So don't uh, just ignore that bit. We can't look at our bank accounts and go, well, there's nothing there, therefore, I'm going to have to hunker down, therefore, we should probably not spend too much this year, we'll just go quietly. That's not the way that faith works. Because you're taking something that's unseen... So you can look at your bank account, which looks like there's, it's flatlining. There's nothing there. But you take that which is unseen and you apply the supernatural power of God to that circumstance and you see God move. That's what faith is. So you don't need a lot of money to start. Just like Jesus said, you just need mustard seed faith. Just need a little bit. Just a little bit. Change your direction. Change your, your outlook. Change your faith. I want to share with you an incredible story of generosity from the Macedonian church in, uh, in the book of Acts. Sorry, it's, it's written in 2 Corinthians. It's Paul writing and he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely of their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. These beautiful Macedonian people, they gave so sacrificially, believing in faith that God was going to supply all of their needs. That was Paul boasting about that church and what they were able to do, and their generosity, which overflowed, even at a time of extreme poverty. And I think sometimes our mercy gift says, oh, we better not you know, ask too much of that, those, people, those poor Macedonians. They're suffering right now. We won't ask them to give. Anyone testify of that? Like, I, I can feel that mercy gift rising up in me. Oh, we better not ask them to do too much. And yet Paul was boasting about their generosity. Because he knew that there was something that happened when they stepped out in faith and they were generous, even out of their poverty. God was going to do something supernatural in their lives. Okay, now and this is the next bit which is really important. Because faith is not just, you can't just 
pin a tail on the donkey and put your faith wherever you want. It's not just a magic wand that you can sort of say, bippity-boppity-boop, I want a Ferrari. It doesn't work that way, does it? Well, I don't know. I've tried and still waiting for the Ferrari. <laughs> this is how faith works, okay? You ready? If you're taking notes. Our faith works when we align our money with God's word. Our faith works when we align our money with God's word. It doesn't work apart from God's word. It's, it's not a magic formula just for our own selfish needs. It works when we apply it, when we align ourselves with God's word. James, who, every time I read James, I just think about this guy, he doesn't pull his punches. He's kind of, yeah, he's like the, the granddad that just gives it to you straight between the eyes. But he says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. Okay, step number one. But he goes, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're saying you're asking with the wrong motives. You want stuff for yourself. No wonder you don't get what you want. So what does God's word say? How do I align my faith, this faith that God has given to me with his word? If I combine those two things, it's a superpower. Great things are going to happen. So this is my first point. That we must do if our faith is going to work. Step number one. We honor God first with your money. Honor Him first with your money. Proverbs 3 verses 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the second best part of everything you produce. Did I get that right? Did I miss something? Did I get a detail wrong? It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And this next word is so critical. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow. That means more than enough with good wine. God is, is so interesting. It always is faith first. It's always take a sip of faith first. Give him your best. Give him the best part, not the second or the third or the fourth best. Give him that first by faith. Then he's going to bless you. Bless him. Honor him. Worship him with your faith, with your substance. Then he will bless you. Not the other way around. That's why, you know, this, I'll bless the Lord. I will be generous. I will tithe when I win the lottery. When I get that promotion, when I get that windfall, then I'll be generous with that. You can be sure I will because I have, I'll have a, an overflow. But that's not the way God wants us to live our lives, people, because we're Christians and we walk by faith and not by sight. So he says, give first, honor him first, and then you'll be blessed. Then you'll be blessed. This is an Old Testament system that God instated through Mosaic law that the Israelites were going to give 10% and God was going to bless their people. And yet, the system of the tithe predates the law. So let's not get hung up on the law. It predates the law and Jesus talks about the tithe as well. So it's not something that's to be done away with. It's to be something to continue with. And if not, let's be more generous than what it was like with the law. 
I want to read to you another really inspiring passage about the tithe. It's found in Malachi 3. You might be familiar with it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He said, this is God talking. He said, I need food in my house, the house of the Lord. It's for the priests. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. And I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Do you think God needs our money? We already established that God's rich. He doesn't need our money, but He wants something else, which is our heart. And we know that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So the best way for God to get our heart is for us to give Him our money. Give Him that substance. Bless Him. Return to Him that substance. And you'll find your heart will orient back to His purposes and what He wants. I want to share with you a great story of someone. They came to me in this church a couple of weeks ago and they, they said, that's it, I just decided I'm going to tithe. I'm going to start tithing. And, and she said, and so I tithed and I had $17 left to my name and I had the week ahead of all my expenses and all my living. And I thought, oh, well, I don't know. Something's got to, got to happen. She goes, four minutes later, she gets a phone call and a, a TV that she'd had on Marketplace or somewhere, she has a phone call and they say, I want to buy your telly. She said, done. $400 later, she's blessed. She has enough money to get through the week. And she was just like, oh my goodness, this really works. This faith thing really works. This blessing God thing really works. This tithing thing really works. Because God wants our hearts. That's what he's interested in. Once we get our hearts oriented, he's going to bless us. The money will flow. All right, are you with me so far? Seems a little quiet out there. Number two. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your money. First one is tithe. What was the actual words? Honor God first with your money. The second one is be generous with your money. I love this proverb. It says, One person is generous and yet grows more wealthy, but another withholds more than he should and comes to poverty. A generous person will be enriched And the one who provides water for others will himself be satisfied. God wants us to be generous with our money. And there's a blessing in it. Now this is where God blesses us when we tithe. We can supercharge our giving and be blessed at the same time when we give over and above that 10%. We can say, I don't have enough to be generous right now and that will be that. Good one, good game. Or we could give, like Jesus said, not letting our right hand know what our left hand is doing. Even though it hurts, we're just going to give. We're going to give in faith, like the Macedonians. And we can see miracles take place, financial miracles take place, over and over and over and over again. 
A good way to look at money is to think of it like a river. It's like a river. It has to flow. That's why it's called currency. Yeah? You can tick off the dad joke there. <laughs> but it's true. It has to flow. It has to flow. The more we allow it to flow, the more it'll come. And it's not just New Age woo-woo stuff. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. We need to understand that our source is not just a natural source. Our source is not just what's in the bank account. Our source is our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, the resurrected King. He is my source. He is the source of all good things, all life which flows from heaven to earth. It says that there is a river which flows from heaven's throne down all through and it makes glad the people of God. The river of God just needs to be accessed and we need to join in with that river and allow it to flow through our lives. And God will increase. He will bless you as you step out with a small amount and be faithful. He'll give you more. And He'll give you more, not just to enrich yourself just for your own selfish needs. No, He'll give you more so you can be more generous. This is Paul's words. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, everyone say God is able. God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Doesn't that make you feel happy? That makes me happy when I say that. I'm going to say it again. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, he just goes on with his alls. And all that you, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's us, we're the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen? Let's pay attention to this detail that Paul is bringing to us. Let's not gloss over it. This is what happens when, we, when we're generous, when we give, especially to God's work. It said that He will increase your store of seed. He's talking about your supply. He's talking about your physical needs. He's talking about your groceries. He's talking about meeting your needs to pay the bills. He's talking about clothes for the kids. He's talking about every physical need that you have. He will increase it for you. And not only that, it's like the steak knives, but that's not all. He's also going to give you a harvest of righteousness. So you're blessed physically and you're also blessed spiritually. God's going to bless it all. 
Let's not just get hung up like Christians. Oh, we're just separated from the earth. We're not. We're living the earth like everybody else. And we have needs like everybody else. But God's saying, I'm going to bless you physically and I'm going to bless you spiritually because you're going to have a harvest of righteousness and He's going to increase your store of seed. Paul's encouraging us. Even though Paul was a guy who didn't, he didn't think about money, he, didn't, he separated himself from all those things for the sake of the kingdom. He's telling every single believer to walk in a life of generosity and you'll be blessed physically, and you'll be blessed spiritually. So we can stay under the power of fear and greed if we want. We can allow those forces to dominate our actions if we want. Or, as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, we can take hold of faith, which God has given to us as a free gift, and we can apply it to our lives so that we can be blessed and we can be a blessing to other people. We can apply it, people. This is not a feel-good message about getting rich. This is a message about faith. This is a message about us increasing the kingdom of God beyond our boundaries. And just in case you think that I'm the one who's got it all together, completely untrue. I'm probably the most scaredy cat of all believing Christians out there and I've been on a journey with God and he's taken me to the brink more than once financially and I think he's training me I think he wanted to teach me a few things it wasn't just like a a short period like a week or two where we were our business was taken right to the brink where we didn't think that we were going to be able to pay any of our bills it was a period that lasted quite a few years we weren't able to pay our bills we couldn't pay the tax man we couldn't we even struggled paying wages it was the most excruciating painful and fear inducing season of my life and yet God came through miraculously and blessed us to the point where we're more blessed now than we ever were back then and you think I learned the lesson right you think I'd get it but sure enough this year came along and some of you might have I've shared this story with some of you probably in about May June my business just took an absolute nosedive and the income we were come that we were getting was about half of what it was normally and yet interest rates were going up all of a sudden I know some of you are feeling the same pain interest rates were going up so our mortgage came off its three-year um, fixed loan and, and pretty much doubled so we're paying double our our renovation that we were doing, the progress payments were coming in thick and fast, which, which meant all the, all the fees and expenses were going up, 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 and our income was going down, down, down. And I was petrified. Christy will be able to share gladly about how scared I was. <laughs> I was really packing it, and I, I knew I needed to pray. So I fasted and prayed for three days. And I wish I could say to you, there were faith-filled prayers of me declaring. It was panic prayers of me saying, God, help, please help. I don't know what to do. And one morning I was just praying and I have a vision. And I see Jesus, he's standing over there right in front of me. And he's looking me in the eyes with these 
bright blue eyes and he was like staring right into my soul and it was the most uncomfortable feeling. But also it was, it was full of love and it was like a smack on the bum at the same time. And he said to me, I am the bread of life. And I got the chills and I all of a sudden realized where I'd gone wrong. Because I'd been looking for salvation in fixing the business, doing this, doing the spreadsheets, figuring out how I'm going to change my expenditure. And yet all along, Jesus was saying, that's not the answer, that's not the solution, the solution is me. I am the bread of life. I am the source of everything that you need. I am the bread of life. Look to me, feed off me, and you will have everything you need. It's not just a spiritual solution. It's a physical solution. And obviously the story for me end, ends well because God's turned things around, but it wasn't really about that. It was, it was like, ah, you got my heart now, God. I don't really care what happens so much. I really know that I need you. I know that I need you. So can we stand for a second? We're going to worship. In just a second... But guys, I've told you, I've give, we've brought this message about money and faith deliberately because next week is Miracle Offering. We're giving you an opportunity to give. We're giving you an opportunity to use the faith that God has given to you. doesn't matter if it's a small thing. doesn't matter if it's a big thing. The amount doesn't really count. It's the faith that counts. It's the faith that counts. God wants us to step out in faith. He wants to, because like I said, He doesn't need the money. He wants to see faith in action for us. So our faith grows and we go, oh my goodness, look what just happened. Look at God move. Look how awesome He is. So that we can grow in faith the next time. The next time I can take a bigger step of faith. And the time after that, I can go even further. I can stretch my faith. I can grow my faith. It's just like leaven in the lump. It's the yeast in the dough. It spreads and it grows rapidly. If we allow it to, if we allow it to, we can live by our circumstances if we want. We can choose to live that way. It's not as life-filling, faith-filled life, Christian life that God's called you to, but you can do that if you want. Or we can step into a life of faith and apply this thing that God's given to us, this mustard seed of faith, we could do something with it. Not bury it in the ground, but apply it, invest it in the kingdom. So let's pray real quick, and then we're going to worship. Holy Spirit, I ask that you reveal yourself as the Son of God. Reveal yourself as the bread of life. Lord, you are the one thing that we need. If we have you, we have everything we need. That you are not just the God in heaven that sits looking at us from a distance. You are the resurrected Christ. And you don't just walk up there in heaven, you walk down here on earth. And I pray that you would reveal yourself to us today. That we would make a change to our life, Lord God. That we would make a change for the better. We would apply what you've given to us and we would see you move. God, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this seed that we sow would create and cause a great harvest of righteousness in our lives. It would affect great change for your kingdom. Lord God, I pray that you convict us. I pray that you convict us. I pray that you shake us. I pray that you show us the way of life that you want us to walk in. And today we pledge our lives to Jesus Christ. You are the author. You are the finisher of our faith. And we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name.